You're listening to A Little Bit Better, a podcast where we talk about how breaking goals into small steps can lead to big results. Here we'll examine the cause and effects of our thoughts, our actions, and inactions, and how they influence how we live our lives. I'm your host, Chris Swale, a life and health coach. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back to A Little Bit Better, the podcast. I'm your confidence coach and host, Chris Swale. Recently, we spoke about how to manage ourselves when we don't like the rules we are meant to abide by. This week, we're going to dive further into self-restriction and why it does or does not work. I mentioned previously that I have a very hard time following even my own rules. It sounds ridiculous saying that out loud, but it is my truth. Why is it a struggle for me to follow even my own rules? Because typically in the past when I have made them, and this is a very, very common thing that most people do, is that they didn't come, these rules that I made, they didn't come from a place of love or encouragement. They came from a place of forced behavior change without considering why I thought I needed the new rule or why I might resist the new rule or by taking time to explore better ways that might make it more successful for me. Generally, for things within my values and identity, I don't want to live my life in restriction. When I try, I fail 100% of the time. Maybe not right away, but sooner than later. Every single time. When I set rules such as no alcohol, no sugar, must work out four times a week, whatever it is, I self-sabotage almost immediately. For me, feeling restriction doesn't make me feel accomplished if I comply and rise above. It may for you, but for me, it just makes me want to rebel, even against myself. I'll say, Chris, I'm doing this for you. But I'll also say, no one tells me what to do. (laughs) Have you ever felt that? Where you really, really want something. You truly do. But when you go about it from a militant standpoint with hard rules, it doesn't feel good. If you succeed, there may be a sense of accomplishment, but not necessarily that warmth and feel-good bliss of it. And many times, maybe most times, you won't succeed at all. That's because your method did not come from a place of love and encouragement. I like to be pushed. I like challenges for my brain and my body, but I don't like to be pushed to the point where I start hating what I'm doing. You can make progress without the hate. It can still be hard, very hard, and exhausting, and sometimes so challenging you will question whether you can or want to continue, but finding the difference between creating change for yourself in a well-intentioned and well-considered manner because it's what you truly desire versus doing it out of unforgiving self-restriction is everything. Self-restriction often comes hand-in-hand with self-shaming and self-judgment and comparison, which creates the unending cycle of self-shaming and self-judgment and comparison and sometimes self-loathing. Whether you are trying to fit a mold or meet an ideal, a desired state, ruthlessly hammering yourself to get there through negative restriction, both physically and mentally, isn't my recommendation. Basically, when you do something for you, whether that's create a new habit, a new behavior, a state where you want to be and exist, you'll do it when you are all in and set yourself up in an encouraging and nurturing, supportive way to get there. 
I will push through a spin class. Maybe I'll fall off beat, but I still do it. I don't stop. I get there. I will do bar exercises, allowing my muscles to shake and burn until I feel like I'm going to a collapse. So I come out of the move to shake it off. Those things can be very hard and challenging for me, but I want to do them. I love how I feel afterwards. And so I'm all in. I'm also forgiving when I fall off beat or when I have to come out of a move early. Doing something like burpees until I drop does not turn my crank. Find what drives you, what will work for you, and see if those align with your reasons for where you want to go. This is the key for success. If you want to be more fit and everyone is doing, I don't know, Zumba class and you do it and you're miserable and you hate it, don't do it. There are other ways to be fit. I don't tend to do goal getting via restrictions very often anymore. Maybe it's simply that I innately know I don't have a true desire to completely restrict something from my life and therefore not actually wanting it fully means I know I'm not going to commit to it. It may be that I recognize the process, the path that I've set for myself is not loving and so I'm already rebelling against it. It may also be because I can see the pattern of doing, feeling miserable and failing or quitting or reverting. I have learned how I operate and how I don't. I highly recommend finding this about you. When I meet with my clients, one of the things we look at is what they have done and tried in the past what worked, but also what didn't work. When we look at both of those factors, it helps create a clearer picture of how they operate. You are a unique being. You have operational intricacies, some you are fully aware of, many you aren't. You can start uncovering more of those by looking at your patterns. And while I don't like to look back for too long, life is in front of us. It makes more sense to focus on where we are going or where we want to be rather than on things we cannot change. I do find that looking back can be helpful, especially in situations like trying to get a goal. It helps identify patterns and habits. It helps see things we did that did not work. It helps us even see things that might work if we did more of them or slightly altered them. So just don't get fixated and do not stay looking backwards for too long. The danger is that if we stay looking backwards for too long, we start proving to ourselves why we can't move forward. So look at the data in a non-judgmental way. Don't look at it as unchanging. It's just data, valuable to understand a better way forward for you. Now, after setting years of strict rules for myself around diet, exercise, anything really, and staying in that hamster wheel of non-progress, I finally have been able to step off. I set guidelines, but not rules, except temporarily when it's necessary. Obviously, there are circumstances that it is entirely necessary to have very hard rules. If you are allergic to certain foods, my goodness, do not eat them. But in general, I look at moderation. I look at the 80-20 rule where I try to make 80% of my choices healthy, more if I want, and I have the wiggle room of 20% that can be a little less healthy. The time frame doesn't have to be daily either. Some seasons, my healthy choices might be 98% to 2% less healthy, and sometimes things slip a little and I find I'm eating poorly more often than not. Instead of beating myself up over it, I know that it's easy for me to adjust because I don't beat myself up for it. 
I let myself off the hook and just start being conscious of making my way back to 80-20. Water is my go-to here. Good water intake has always been a challenge for me. I was doing really well most of this past year, but admittedly, I slipped in December. I was able to recognize that and take steps to ease myself back to where I want to be. I bought cases of flavored sparkling water, some vitamin C energized powder, and more dehydrated coconut powder that I can mix over ice and water. Making water interesting and delicious gets it in me. Not reprimanding and forcing myself to get eight glasses of plain water in is liberating. It's encouraging. It's supportive and nurturing for me. It's gentler and it works. I have lasting success and it's easier to get back to the same level of success when I do falter because I've made water enjoyable rather than a chore that is highly driven by willpower. Creating habits around doing things that don't bring you joy is really hard. The trick is to find ways for it to feel good. When a behavior doesn't feel like a forced rule or restriction, you will find much more success doing it because you'll naturally be less resistant and more open to saying yes. Would it be better for me to just drink eight glasses of tap water each day rather than flavor it up? Probably, yes. But the alternative from what I know about me is that the reality is I just won't. So is it better to drink flavored water than no water? That's a definite hell yes. Creating habits is a great way to conserve the use of your finite reserves of willpower. It helps take the strain and pressure off your brain from having to choose to do or not do things. Established habits means you automatically choose the aligned behavior without having to deliberate. Sometimes a jump right in or cold turkey approach to changing something in your life works. Often it's short-lived though. When we decide we want something, we want it now. Immediate gratification and success. And even though we aren't wired to work that way, we humans, we sure do keep trying that approach. Making resolutions by way of restrictions or rules and breaking them most of the time. In the first couple episodes of this podcast, we dive into just that and how when we break things down into small steps, we have a much greater chance of attaining and sustaining our goals. This also relates to autonomy and rulemaking. Say, for example, you want to cut out processed sugar from your diet. Telling yourself no more sugar does evoke a sense of a loss of autonomy. You could immediately stop eating it altogether, but then every time it's available and in front of you, which is likely going to be a lot, you have to use your willpower not to consume it, your willpower to follow the rule. Every time, it's a little battle that takes place. And if you lose and you have just one bite, you might engage in self-shaming and guilt, and that can lead to gorging and binging and further self-shaming. Not good. But taking the approach of slowly reducing your processed sugar intake, reducing it little by little, week by week, creates the habit of having less sugar without the multitude of daily battles. With this patient, slow approach, you are allowing yourself to have some sugar so your brain will lower its guard. It doesn't sound the alarm bells about a loss of autonomy. Instead, you can accept the rule of less sugar versus no sugar. And therefore, you will be more willing to cooperate because it's not a full restriction. You ease yourself into the new habit and behavior you want to have. You can do this little by little until you are happy with the amount of sugar you consume. 
And by taking it slowly in this stepped approach, you may also be able to eliminate processed sugar altogether if that is your desire because you've done it very slowly and your body and your brain gets used to the smaller and smaller quantities so that no sugar is not as big a stretch from where you started. You may also find that you trust yourself to indulge on occasion because by creating the habit gently over time, you trust your behavior or your habit of being able to keep the sugar to a minimum the next day and moving forward. That is a non-restrictive approach to a healthy diet that works for many people. They can train themselves to choose and be healthy most of the time. Others find that if they don't cut sugar out entirely, they will binge every time they have a choice or if they do allow a cheat day. If this is you, there actually may be something else going on. Nutritionally, your body may be lacking in something, a mineral, vitamins. And so if your binging is related to a specific craving, that could be a big sign that you're lacking somewhere nutritionally. You may be eating healthy, but not enough. And your brain then sends you messages to get carbs, calories in, and fast. That translates into binging. Or you may have emotional stuff going on that needs some love and attention. Self-love, self-worth, self-confidence are biggies there. I'm not saying that full restriction never works. In fact, restriction works when it feels entirely aligned with you, when it feels like a part of your identity already. So it's almost not a choice. It doesn't feel hard to make that choice. Of course, what you are restricting is a factor too. Take smoking, for example. That one I'm happy to completely restrict. I have no desire to smoke cigarettes because I have a complete lack of desire. Willpower isn't a factor. I don't have to use any. If something isn't part of how you identify, not doing it is very easy and takes no energy. Sometimes that can actually happen overnight. A specific event can occur that, I guess, shocks you into making an immediate change. Growing up, my dad was a smoker and we were always trying to get him to quit and he did try and always went back. And then his partner one day had a heart attack and he quit cold turkey, never went back. He just needed his own reason, not our reasons for doing it. Many people feel this way about drinking alcohol. It's not hard for them because it's not part of their identity to drink alcohol. They don't have a desire to do it. So knowing the what and why of your restriction in terms of your ability to do it is also very important. Deciding what you do in life is your choice. Deciding how to do it is also your choice. There are circumstances and things we do have to deal with. So it's not about letting yourself off the hook or not doing things if they are hard or take a lot of work. No, my friend. The reality is that life is work. It can be hard, often is hard. So be smart. Know yourself, your habits, your thought and behavior patterns, and set a stepped plan. One with small action steps that allows time, patience, and foremost, forgiveness. Find and know what fits your personality when considering goal getting. When you find what action style fits into your life, what works with how you work rather than you trying to fit into a life that isn't authentically designed for you via self-imposed restrictions, you'll have more success, more joy, overcome challenges better. You will be living your life 
in the way that serves you best and showing up better all round. Way to go, my friend. You've just started making your life a little bit better. You got this. Thanks for listening to A Little Bit Better. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find this podcast. Subscribe to A Little Bit Better so you never miss an episode. Share it with friends and family. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at This Is A Little Bit Better or find me online at a littlebitbetter.ca. I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like information about coaching with me, please reach out. I am Chris Swale. I'm excited to connect again soon. So until next time, have fun being a little bit better.